Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. You know, we normally begin each morning with a salutation, something like, good Thursday morning. But it's hard to say that it is on this day. You know, it seems apropos that we're on the air at this very second, at this very moment, it's 6 a.m. Eastern. This very second, for the first time in a dozen hours, a civilian, people, non-essential employees, an actual person can walk the streets of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. The mayor shut it down for 12 hours, and we open up Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance with all of our guests on the Goodyear hotline. People are awakening after the first full day after a place that affectionately for hundreds of years was known as the People's House was victimized and vandalized. And there has been tremendous reaction in the world of sports from people that have been speaking up about issues like this For decades, we'll get to all of that in just a moment. But again, here at 6 o'clock in the East, people are on the streets of Washington, D.C., trying to pretend like life is normal after life on the streets yesterday was anything but. Good morning with Keyshawn Johnson and Jay Williams. I'm Zubin Mahenti. Fellas, I just want to get your raw, cathartic, honest, visceral reaction to what you saw yesterday, not just as a black man, but as a human being. And then we will get into the thoughts of those people that we covet so much in the sports world that have frankly lived this from the moment they've walked the earth. Uh, you know, it was just wild, right? I mean, it was, it, was, it, it was one of those deals, man, where you just sit there and you look at it and you can't help. And I, and I know you said not just from a, a black man's perspective, but just overall. But it's hard for me to separate the two. Um, to be able to sit there during a time when I was trying to concentrate working at NFL Live, sitting there watching, seeing those visuals on television of individuals acting it just, it was crazy, man. It was, it was one of those, it was a thing that I sat back and I said to myself and I kept just basically talking to myself and saying, am I really watching this, seeing what's going on? How people have basically taken over the U.S. Capitol on Capitol Hill with congressmen and senators and government officials inside in destroying this place. For what? And then on top of that, I'm looking at it and I'm saying to myself, what if these were minority protesters? I didn't even think about it being black protesters. I thought about minorities or people that support minorities and was wanting to protest because that wasn't a protest. That was somewhat a deliberate act of domestic terrorism, as far as I'm concerned. That's what that was. It, it, it wasn't a protest. They were not out there peacefully protesting to send a message, to have a conversation. They was out there to destroy property and to put fear in people. It, it, it just, it's disgusting. It's just disgusting. And then to listen to so many different news outlets and individuals point of view on this and hear some of the stuff that they were saying is mind boggling because it's clear as day, man. You can see it. This this 
this world is a double standard. This country is a double standard. It 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 it, it is, and I don't give a damn what nobody said. You you don't you know you you look at it, and I was talking to you guys on the on the call, and I said, what if a black person walked through that crowd? Them dudes was like them people was like animals out of a cage. Imagine what they would have done if they'd had an opportunity to because they was out of control and we saw it, we witnessed it, we watched it all night. At least I watched it all night long, Zubin. Probably got four hours of sleep before I, because I couldn't sleep. I, I just couldn't, I couldn't sleep. I had to see what the hell was going on. And then I had my kids, before they went to bed, come downstairs and saw me watching it. And this is where it tears me up. Because now I got to explain to my eight-year-old son who asked me, why are they acting like that? And he asked me, true, Vance asked me at eight years old, why are they acting like that? Hear me when I tell you this. In his mind, that was about us. He doesn't know all the other stuff and the subplots and all the, he doesn't understand that. He thinks it's about us. I had to explain to him, it's not about us. Because he said, why? why are they acting like that? Do they not like us? That was his words. Do they not like us? An eight-year-old kid. He can't run from it either because it's all over social media. And, yes, he has social media. And he's going to go on YouTube. And he's no matter how much you lock it down, he's going to see it. He can sit and watch television. And in between commercials, he's going to see it. And you just got to educate him. But I don't even want to be in that position. I don't want to be put in that position. But... It's the world that we live in, and Jay Will, it was disgusting, as you know. Yeah, it was it was disgusting. It was appalling. It was um, our capital hasn't been breached since eighteen twelve, eighteen twelve, and it was the way it went down that was so bothersome. You know, Craig Melvin put out a tweet for the Today Show, and it was so accurate. He said. You know, this is an extraordinary manifestation of misinformation and disinformation that we've allowed to become ordinary, ordinary uh, people believing what they're told or whatever they want to believe. And it, it brought me back. Key, you mentioned the, the phrase double standard. If, if there was when I talk to my friends and my friends are all different races and ethnicities and you start making conversation about what the terminology white privilege means. That's an example right yesterday. Yesterday, it's an example. You know, to see it take two hours plus for people to actually come in and actually start being forceful with backing people away, seeing officers inside the Capitol. This video, you can, you can see it, taking selfies with people. Selfies with people. It was so problematic to me and the series of events that have occurred in the last 48 hours from Tuesday in the Jacob Blake situation and prosecutors finding them not guilty to then seeing people come upon the U.S. Capitol and and not seeing tweets that say when they start looting, we start shooting. It was so bothersome internally, man. 
it's it's beyond bothersome because key, there is a double standard and we know that we don't have that same margin to do things like that but yet here we're seeing people ushered and it just last thing key richard bigo barnett 60 years old 60 years old gave a full interview in the new york times gave his name gave his age gave where he lived to the new york times about and actually showing a, a letterhead from an envelope that said <laughs> Pelosi on it. Pelosi on it. Yeah, I was in her room. Yeah, I sat there. It's okay. I'm thinking to myself, oh, damn. Could, could, could somebody, could, could, we, could we have the same luxury to do something like that? It was just, and I know we'll get into it. It was just so, I, I didn't sleep last night, man. I, I could not sleep. I could not sleep. It's so bothersome internally. It, it's so bothersome for where our country is. And this is a reflection of where we are. We, we know that we do not have the same luxury at, in, at all. We wouldn't have made it to the grass. We know that. We're not oblivious to that at all, Jay Will. And neither are the rest of the people that are listening and watching this show. We know it is a double standard. We wouldn't have got to the grass, let alone the damn steps in inside the Capitol. It, it just it wouldn't have happened. We know that. We saw it take place in the summertime when we were as trying to protest as minorities, as blacks, about things and current events that were happening at the time, and they were doing the things to stop us from doing it. We know that. Hell, we know what went on in the 60s when dogs was unleashed on People, we know that. We know that. And yeah, yes, right. and yes, eventually they stopped it and slowed it down, but it took time. In the beginning of all of this, it didn't happen. When when they started, when it the moment that it started, it continued until sometime that the government made a decision to send in police force to slow it down. But prior to that, it took a minute. And if it was Black Lives Matter or other protest groups that that lean toward minorities, man, that damn thing would have happened in 20 minutes. 20 minutes, they would have been there. Every government. Not a question, Key. Not even a question. Minutes, Boom, right there. Police, on top sheriffs, of it. FBI, canines, all canines, that. All they that. would have backed up army trucks. They would have had it. It would have been boom, shut down in 20 minutes. We know that. So don't all, try to fool us. All I'm saying, Zubin, is that's why I keep advocating for athletes and people to continue to talk because we need to lead from an inspirational level, not from an inciting level. And, and Biden said it yesterday, don't incite. Inspire, we, we need different leadership. We'll continue to talk about this throughout the morning. You can hear the verve. You can hear it in the fellows' voices. I would just lastly say the irony of the violence yesterday was that yesterday – for basically hundreds of years, certifying the election has been what they call pro forma in politics. That is means ceremonial. People don't even think about that particular day. It's so perfunctory that it just happens every four years. So for the fact that this happened on a day that was supposed to be as ordinary as possible, just moving on, putting a rubber stamp the way we do every four years, the fact that it happened on that day is a splash of irony. We knew there would be some demonstrations we didn't know there would be desecration. 
We'll talk about that throughout the remainder of the morning. There was some big sports news yesterday as well, and frankly, that is what we are here to talk about on most mornings, not particularly this one, but we'll get into it next. You're listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, packing the punch with passion, as always, as we transcend sports when we need to on ESPN Radio and this morning on ESPN2. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. That would be quite the move, considering Urban Meyer, of course, has never put on a pro headset, but there are a few that have won the way he has. On Greeny's show today... How we long to dig into the NFL playoffs with Super Wildcard Weekend on the way starting Saturday. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. You heard our Sports Center update anchor Christine Lisi talk there just moments ago about all of the openings in the NFL. The Texans had a couple of openings. Now we've cut it in half. We do have a general manager in Houston, Nick Casario. He comes from the New England tree, widely respected around the league. As Key said, we are still waiting for one of those branches to actually work off the tree in Foxborough. Maybe this will be the one. They still need to hire a head coach. A couple of weeks ago, J.J. Watt absolutely laid into his teammates for not giving the proper amount of effort. And then Watt was seen apologizing to Deshaun Watson for everything that has gone on this season. The two faces of the franchise, one on offense, one on defense. And then Watson doubled down on Watt's comments, essentially saying a couple of days ago, this organization needs to hit the reboot button right now. just need... A whole culture shift. We just need new energy. We just we need discipline. We need um, structure. Uh, we need a leader so we can follow that leader as, as players. And that's what we need. And we got to have the love of just not just the game of football because that's what we do, but the love for people and the people in this organization. We all got to be on the same page. There's too many different minds um, and too many different ideas and too many people thinking that they have this power and, and it's not like that. You know, we need someone that stand tall and this is who we follow and this is the way it goes. Like I said yesterday after the game and, and we're going to do it this way to win. Straight wow. talk. Yeah, straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Now, here's the wrinkle. Jay, let's start with you because obviously the visceral reaction to hearing that. They need a head coach 
And right now, the NFL's hottest assistant in years, and I'm not talking race, background, experience, Eric Bieniemy is the hottest assistant head coach in the NFL as an offensive coordinator, the guy that's going to make the next step. He's 51 years old, as I mentioned, African-American, has done wonders with the Chiefs offense, and he is on the cusp. He has interviewed so far with the Atlanta Falcons and the Detroit Lions. You would think more interviews are coming for Bieniemy. However, the Houston Texans who do have an all-world quarterback, not quite Patrick Mahomes, but do have that sort of player that the enemy has been able to do wonders with, anything under center, I call it, you can do it. We know Deshaun is in that same vein. But the Texans will not be interviewing Eric Bieniemy. Why do you think that is? I, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. Maybe there are people that they feel are better qualified. A lot of people talk about Josh McDaniels due to the fact that the whole Patriots tree uh, could potentially come there with Casario. It is interesting, though, um, about Jack Easterby because you start reading a lot of reports you know, about his position, about being brought on by Bill O'Brien, that he was actually the one that was involved in releasing DeAndre Hopkins along with Bill O'Brien. Uh, a lot of reports actually read an article in The Ringer about this, how a lot of people in the organization felt like there was a lot of back channeling. There's a lot of posturing, saying something to your face and then making moves behind people's back. Uh, it is interesting to see that he has been the one that has been able to kind of go untouched throughout this whole thing. Bill O'Brien got a lot of the brain blame, but now it seems like Jack Easterby is the one that's in control and making these personnel decisions, and he hasn't really gotten any attention at all, Key. Key, Zero. Be- before you mention, I just want to mention Jack Easterby is the executive vice president of the Houston Texans, another person off the branch of the Patriots tree. He had actually spent six years in New England before coming over into the front office of the Houston Texans. So just to give you some context on who he is, now joined by his former Patriots compatriot, Nick Casario. You know, the Texans as a whole, ownership in the McNair family, they have to figure out what it is that they want to do as an organization. Originally, it was about the Denver Broncos and what came from Denver and Gary Kubiak and Rick Smith. And that it was kind of like a mini Denver Bronco situation under Kubiak. Kubiak leaves. Then it comes Bill O'Brien, and it turns into a mini New England Patriot situation that wins nothing, right? It, it's like now all of a sudden you go and you hire Nick, which you can hire who you want to. Jack Easterby comes from New England. You're going to hire people that you're familiar with and you're comfortable with and all those sort of things. But this is the same thing that we continue to go through in the National Football League. They pass over on other guys that are qualified that they think are not or they claim or not. They don't interview well. They, you know, yeah, it's a lot of guys that don't interview well, but that doesn't mean that they're not qualified for the job. And so now you got a once in a lifetime franchise quarterback Mm -hmm. that is desperately pleading for you to bring in the right people. Now, the, the Eric Bieniemy. I don't know why Eric Bieniemy is not interviewing. Maybe Eric Bieniemy realizes that he doesn't want to be under those circumstances in Houston with that group of people from up in New England. Maybe he says that that's not what he wants to do, and there's better opportunities for him out there, like the Los Angeles Chargers, potentially Jacksonville, potentially Detroit, Atlanta. Maybe that's where he wants to be because 
He doesn't have to deal with that. Fair enough. It's very curious, though, on the surface. Again, he is interviewed with the Lions and the Falcons, the Jets and the Jaguars. We will see if this is the offseason where he finally gets that coveted head coaching job. On the way, the old politician, Tip O'Neill, used to say, all politics is local. And on that vein, with what we saw in the political spectrum yesterday, we'll go to the epicenter of it with one of our experts that's in the nation's capital, that knows that city's political football as well mm. as anyone. That's on the way. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Those poignant words... Courtesy of Glenn Doc Rivers saying that after, it seems so trite to say this, after a basketball game, one of 11 in the NBA last night where his Clippers defeated the Warriors, but I don't know how far down the list of priorities Doc cared about talking about that victory. We'll hear from Doc, his comments in his entirety coming up at 7 a.m. Eastern. And remember, guys, he was one of the strongest voices back in the bubble in August when he famously said, black people have loved this country why won't this country love black people back? Do you remember that poignant comment from August? He doubled down with his comments last night. And again, we'll hear from Doc in his entirety coming up here at 7 a.m. Eastern time. There are so many ways to go with this story, but I think the best place to go is the epicenter. Anytime you have a story where somebody is right there in proximity, as Key and Jay and I sit about, you know, a couple hundred miles away down I-95, Jason Reed is right there. He's a senior writer for The Undefeated. He spent decades in Washington, D.C., as a journalist, covered the Washington football team. But this morning, we want to ask him to cover something a little bit more broad. I'm just going to simply ask you here, Jason. Good morning. Describe the scene yesterday from your eyes. Well, fellas, I mean, I'm looking at it through my eyes as a father, as a black man who has a black teenage son and a, and a young daughter who's going to soon be a teenager. And, you know, um, I was... I was taking my son to, to baseball practice and, you know, he's been very uh, nervous about, he's had some anxiety about things since all the events that have happened with George Floyd and, you know, over the summer. And we're constantly talking about, you know, he's not, he's not old enough yet to have the talk about when you're driving while black, but we have had to talk about, when you're in the car with me and, and I'm driving while black, which you do. And, you know, he, he, he sees police cars now. He's more nervous. Um, 
and we have to constantly talk about these things. So when we saw what we saw on, on uh, television and then we got in the car because we were running late for practice, you know, he, 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 he wanted to know, like, what I thought about that because you saw the crowd was overwhelmingly white. Yes, there were some black faces in the crowd, but the crowd was overwhelmingly white. And he's seen over the summer about the clashes and what's occurred. And, and you, I was trying to, to find a way to talk about this while also rushing to get to practice because we were running late. And you know, he got out the car and he just said to me, Dad, you know, if, if they were black, would, 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 the, would the police have shot them? And it, as a father, it really hurt me. And I, after he got out the car, I, I tweeted about it because I was sitting in the car crying. I, I mean, I, I obviously was going to tell him the truth. And, I, you know, my wife was having the same type of conversation with my daughter at home. And, you know, fellas, here's the thing. I, I graduated from USC. I worked for some of the biggest media organizations in the country. I worked for ESPN. My wife is a graduate of the USC Law School. Our kids have been blessed financially, and, I, and, and when they were younger, they, they had this view of, yes, you know, we always would try to explain to them, you know, you, you have a good life, and, 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 and you, you know, you've been blessed, and that's great, but you have to always understand who you are. And yesterday was just the most clear representation of the double standard that we have tried to explain to our kids that regardless of your station in life, if you are black and brown in this country, it's a double standard. You know, the, the Congress went back and performed their, their ceremonial duties last night to uh, you know, affirm the, victory, the, the, the election victory of uh, President-elect Biden. If that crowd had been overwhelmingly black, they wouldn't have been able to go back into the Capitol because there would have been blood all over the carpet. That is well said. Let me ask you this, Jason. How do you think Daniel Snyder will respond to the events from yesterday, or will he at all? Well, I, I mean, Key, here's the thing. I, I, I don't think, I've, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, fellas, because I, I really wasn't reading a lot of stuff last night. I think the NFL has said that the game is going on. I thought I saw something briefly about that, that, that the, uh, the, the wild card playoff game that the Washington football team is hosting the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I believe the game is still going on. As far as putting out a statement, I, look, I, I, I don't know what anyone can really say to, to make this like, okay, well, let's try to bring everybody together. You can't, people, people, black and brown people can't look at this, can't look at these police officers opening the doors for the protesters, taking selfies, with the protesters, patting the protesters on the back. No statement is going to bring us together on that because we saw what happened. We, we, you know, we know that if those people were black and brown or, or, if, those, or if that crowd was, was you know, overwhelming Muslim, there would, have been, there would have been a bloodbath in the U.S. Capitol. And, yes, don't get me wrong, I know some people died. I believe it was four people who died. A woman was shot. Others were taken to the hospital and died later. But... A double standard exists in this country with regard to policing and, and the black community. And black people have been saying this. I mean, my elders told me this. My, my elders' elders told them this. And we have said this repeatedly. And, and, and what, the reason people took to the streets so much is in, in protests that were overwhelmingly peaceful. I mean, I, you know, yes, I know that there was, there was violence. But in, in overwhelmingly, the situation with Black Lives Matter's protests were peaceful. But the reason you go to the streets is because we're trying to tell y'all, look, there is a double standard. 
And when they're holding the door open to let people out, let domestic terrorists out of the Capitol after laying siege to the Capitol, sitting at the the Speaker of the House desk, breaking things, stealing things. It's like if y'all can't be honest now and admit that this double standard we're talking about is there and that we die from it, there's no statement that's going to make anything right from that. Jay, I, I hear you, but why do you think it is that the NBA is always at the forefront of scenarios like this? If that's Michelle Roberts making a statement, if that's Doc Rivers, uh, uh, obviously a, a big time coach speaking out on it, and it feels like the NFL is always a little bit lagging in that scenario. Well, I mean, you know, guys, the NBA has a reputation of being a much more progressive league because they've done a better job with regard to inclusive hiring at the GM level, at the head coach level. Uh, the reality of it is is that the NFL has lagged behind in those areas. I mean, that's just a fact. It's, it's not opinion. Um, I, you know, I write about inclusive hiring uh, in the NFL as one of the primary things I write about. And I just talked just, uh, just the other day, um, a, a prominent retired Pro Bowl player, a black man, who wants to be a GM, he read an article I wrote, and, he, and he, he texted me because he was like, he's so frustrated about even with all the things the NFL is trying to do with hiring that, you know, he, he can't break in. He's been told he's going to be put on some lists. So when you talk about why does the NBA is in the forefront, it's because the NBA has a much better reputation in regard to this thing. And the NBA is even blacker than the NFL, which is about 70% black. And the, NF, the NBA has done a better job positioning itself as being more receptive to understanding what black people, black folk in this country have endured. Jason, I have to ask you here, when you think about everything that has happened, this is a trite question that journalists always ask, but I think it's the best question to ask. And if you ask 10 people, you might get 10 different answers. And it's as simple as this two words. What's next? Well, I mean, from a, from a, uh, a government standpoint, there has to be, a comprehensive, independent investigation of what occurred. The, the, there's so much video of the, the law enforcement officers on the ground in the situation. I don't, I don't know if aiding is a, is a legal term, and I don't, so I don't want to use a legal term, but clearly, just from what we saw with our eyes, they allowed these people to, to do things they should not have allowed them to, and they took selfies with them. So just from a, again, from, from a beginning, from a ground level starting point, there has to be a, an independent investigation into what occurred, why the U.S. Capitol was allowed to be breached, why these officers were captured on video participating. I mean, there was one, there was one scene where, a, where an officer was actually retreating up the stairs to do everything he could not to shoot one of these domestic protesters who was white. So that, at the beginning, there's that. Then after that, what I would hope as a black man and a, and a father of, of young black children, that, that people who constantly are on Twitter or on social media or who I encounter in the grocery store or the gas station or wherever who tell me that racism doesn't exist, who tell me that black people are just complaining, who tell me that, hey, we've gotten past that Obama was elected president. And what I would like to see is for those people to just sit down and watch what I saw yesterday and acknowledge, well, we got a long way to go because if, the, if that crowd was black, there would have been blood everywhere. Jason, before we let you go, how is the city feeling right now? After watching everything that went on yesterday and throughout the night, I know it's early in the morning, but what is your sense of the way the city is feeling? Well, that's, that's a fair question. I mean, I, 
look, I live in Northern Virginia out by where the Washington football team trains, but my office is in D.C., and I have, I have friends who live in D.C., and I was texting with them last night. I mean, look, there was a, cur- there was a curfew that just got lifted at 6 a.m. The, 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 the mood in the city was one of like, okay, what's going to happen next? Where are, these, where are these rioters? Where are these domestic protesters going to go next? If you saw on TV last night, even with the curfew, they weren't all run out of the area. They were still kind of milling about. So I, I think the mood moving forward today, guys, is going to be, okay, what is going to happen next? And, uh, you know, what is, what is the president going to say next? Because let's be, let's be very clear about it. The president and his supporters and, and, and some of these senators, they incited this. This has been coming for five years, ever since the president came down the escalator. But, but the, the, the final match was lit yesterday. So is another match going to be lit? But, but Keith, directly to your question, the mood is very somber. I think there's a lot of tension uh, just based on the people I was texting with. And I don't think that tension's going to go away anytime soon. I think the president's going to be in the office, I think, another 14 days unless something happens. What is going to happen next? Indeed. And if you follow politics, you can mention the word 14. And there's also something around the word 25 with mm-hmm. regards to what Jason just said. Thanks a lot for joining us, Trojan. Thanks, Jason. Any, anytime, guys. You can look for his work once again on The Undefeated as we go from A to Z. So Jason just said he lives out there in northern Virginia where the Washington football team is based. And the NFL's best insider, Adam Schefter, is suggesting that the Washington football team could be a natural landing spot for Cam Newton. Adam went on the Greg Hill show on WEEI in Boston, where they may be ceasing their Cam conversation. If indeed he's moving on to the nation's capital, here's Schefter's rationale. The most natural spot for Cam would be Washington. That's the most natural spot if he's going to leave, right? And so let's say Cam's on the free agent market. It reaches the market. Let's say nothing gets done with New England. Let's say he moves on. What would Washington pay him tomorrow? What would that contract look like? Curtis. I'm going to guess. Yeah. I'm going to guess t- two years with incentives, 40 to $50 million. Wow. Wow. That's the only thing I can hear. Jay, let's go to you first because you have the same reaction that I do. Let's state the obvious. Newton played with Ron Rivera in Carolina. It would be a reunion between head coach and, of course, quarterback. But considering he was playing for a couple of million dollars this year on a one-year deal, to then go two years, 40 to 50, after arguably a mediocre at best season, I was stunned to hear that. I was shocked to hear that. I don't know why Ron Rivera would go back to the well, considering he already had an experience with Cam the first time. And I don't know if Cam's numbers warrant $25 million a year? $20 million a year, Key? He had a great experience with Cam Newton. Led him to the Super Bowl. I understand I think, that. I think when you look at it, last year, or this year, so to speak, Ron Rivera got hired prior to Cam Newton being able to to hit the free agent market, and they had Alex Smith on. They also had to deal with Dwayne Haskins, so he signed Kyle Allen. There was no room for a quarterback. I think you revisit the situation knowing that Cam looked good at times but not great, that you probably can get the best out of him, and that is the marketplace. So you have the money to spend, and that's the marketplace for a starting quarterback, as I continue to keep telling you, but, Jay Will, in the National Football League. I know, okay, but I was talking more about, like, injuries, like with Cam's health, right? Like, isn't that something that you would be concerned of moving no, forward? I mean, I know this year he played well. Yeah, but... he, hasn't been, he hasn't been injured. It, it, what, I wanna, okay. what I want to, to say is that when you talk about his injuries, you got to go all you, – you, 2019 is when he missed all but two games. 
Prior to that, look it up. Cam Newton's only missed five games in his entire career outside of 2019. Cam Newton is 31. There are some people, Key certainly does not feel this way, and I would concur that Cam could be near the end. A guy that's just getting started, of course, is Trevor Lawrence, officially making that the case yesterday and has to be the least surprising sports news of the day. He went on social media, posted a video and said, goodbye to the upstate. I'm heading up to the NFL draft. Yesterday, Maurice Jones-Drew, the former Jaguars running back, has an interesting perspective because all sides seem to think that Trevor Lawrence is headed to the Jags at number one. Is it so easy? Can you put it in pen? MJD said his old team has to do, even though it seems like a slam dunk, got to do your due diligence here. I know everyone wants to say that Trevor Lawrence is a consensus number one, and I'm not, I, I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying I don't know if he is. Exactly. Right? How about you take a look at some other people to see, make, to make sure, really do your due diligence and dive in and make sure. You can't just go out there and say, this guy is this, because when you're picking number one, you have to make sure that pick is the right pick, because if you don't, if you miss that pick, oh, it can get bad. It can get bad real quick. It's just not the film. It's the offseason. It's the training. It's the combine. It's the sitting down, putting him on the board. Let's see if he is what everybody thinks he is. You can't just look at college film and say he's a clear number one pick. And and I agree with Maurice Jones-Drew there, having been a high pick myself. You've got to do your due diligence. You it, Because between now – in the, in the time the draft comes, people that run these organizations and head coaches have not seen Trevor Lawrence in person. They've only watched clips and film and games. They've got to now sit down with their scouts, get the information, look at all the information, Zubin and Jay, find out what it is that he does well. Think about it. Do you think? Sean Payton has seen Trevor Lawrence in person. No, because he's trying to win the damn Super Bowl. He, so he hasn't – Eric Bieniemy is in the midst of winning the Super Bowl. He hasn't seen Trevor Lawrence. He hasn't probably even watched Clemson film. Keep in mind, Friday, Saturdays for traveling on the road and putting the final touches on your game plan, and that has to take 100% of your energy. You get him on the board in, the, in your meetings. You put stuff on the board. You asked him, where's the hot read at? You asked him, what's the protection? And he can't spit that stuff out the way that you thought he could will make you nervous. Because now all of a sudden you say, well, I don't think he's picking up the system fast enough. Now you all of a sudden get Trey Lance in the room and he's going, pop, 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 pop. And then you're going, or you get Zach Wilson in the room and Zach Wilson is with his eyes closed, can tell you everything that's going on. And that's impressive. Lower profile guys at North Dakota State, BYU, respect. So you just don't know. And I respect Mel. I respect Todd McShay and every other dude that does this year round for a living. But as I know and they know, these things change week to week in the offseason before the draft. They just change. Also, Key, look, a lot of media has influence over what people read, what they hear, doing their due diligence. Absolutely. Michael Jordan didn't go number one in the draft. I'm not comparing anybody in this draft to Michael Jordan on the football side. All I'm saying is teams' needs, who their head coaches are, who their GMs are, who do they come in with preconceived notions about who they like already factors into all of this. And and, and just, you know, I was texting with you guys uh, 
what was it, a week ago, Ohio State, when they beat Clemson and the game was going on, and I was saying the narrative's going to change on Trevor Lawrence as time goes on in the offseason. And having conversations with people that had him high on their list yesterday, they're starting to doubt what he is. And they were high on – they were ridiculously high on him. And now it's like, well, I got to look, I got to see, I don't know. It, it just changes. These things are fluent, man. They change every single time you look up. And even these mock drafts, you see them in January when you get to March, some of them names won't even be in the first round. A couple of things to keep in mind here. I just want to remind folks, Keyshawn mentioned Todd McShay. Todd is actually going to join us this morning at 9.30 a.m. Eastern, and there's a special reason for that. This morning at 9 a.m., Todd McShay's first mock draft of 2021 is going to be released on Get Up with Greeny and the gang. So he will tell you where he's got Lawrence. Does he have the same trepidation that Key has? Where's Fields? Where's Wilson? Where's Lance? Where are the wide receivers? Where's Devontae Smith? Todd's first mock draft with Greeny and company, 9 a.m. Eastern on ESPN. He'll join us a half hour later. After that, the NFL draft is April 29th, but on this January 7th, we'll get a first taste. On the way from Washington and beyond, the sports world reacts to what happened in the nation's game. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.